You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. It is another historic week in Washington, D.C. The second Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump is underway. That is the first time in history that one president has faced a second impeachment trial, and it's the first ever impeachment trial of a former president. Meanwhile, Congress is pushing ahead with a $2 trillion COVID relief package, and Democrats are preparing to pass that massive spending bill without any Republican support. Here to talk about what's going on in Washington these days is Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, who represents Michigan's 14th district in the U.S. Capitol. Congresswoman, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, considering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot going on, and you guys have been under a lot of unnecessary stress and pressure because of uh, some of the things that have happened in the last month. Let's start with um, – I actually want to start with January 6th and, and just uh, have you talk about what it's like in the Capitol now. You know, it's one thing to get people's reactions when something like that happens, but you guys all had to go back to work in that building and work together. Uh, tell me what that's been like, especially given the presence of people who won't condemn what happened, uh, people who won't condemn the president who who incited it. Uh, how are things going? Well, I want you to know that from the day I was sworn into Congress, uh, the Capitol has always been this magical, mystical place. It so much history. I always would tell people when I stopped getting that sense of awe when I walked those halls that were built by slaves, it was time for me to go home. <laughs> so it feels different. It feels like it has been violated. Uh, the presence of the fences and the National Guard is unsettling at times uh, because we really had a false sense uh, once we were in the Capitol, we didn't have a care in the world. All we focused in was on legislation. And unfortunately, that was not a reality anymore. But um, the fact that we have members who have said some very deadly statements, in addition to that, refusing to walk through a megatron to be... Um, Screen for guns, mm-hmm. just refused to do it, has been very troubling, including not wearing masks. So it is uh, now like the streets of America. It is not this magical place anymore. Wow. But I still have hope. Wow. Wow. Um, so I, I want to talk about COVID relief. Uh, what are your What's your take on this bill? There are a lot of people who support President Biden, who support Democrats, who think even this is is not enough, that maybe we need recurring monthly payments to Americans who have lost income or, or, or lost their jobs. Uh, I assume that, that, that though you are in favor of, of this bill, but, but, but tell me how much how much more, I guess, you think we ought to do after this. Well, when, when we get the flow of the vaccine really meeting the goals of President Biden, 
we are going to be transforming um, the population, being able to open up restaurants, being able to travel, being able to go to work and go to school because of the number of people who will be vaccined, um, vaccinated, I'm sorry. So I am um, I'm hopeful that this package should take care of us. The unemployment is staggering, and a lot of that, I know my granddaughter um, had to quit a job because she became positive with COVID. Thank God she recovered, but the job just dropped her, and she was a college student working, uh, trying to make a living, and um, so that's happening to Americans all over the country, and then there are some who can't go to work. I'm a caretaker of my senior um, parent, and if I go to work, I'm exposed and could possibly contract COVID and bring it home to my parents, and I'm not going to do that. And I have to take a choice. So it's it's all kind of reasons why people are unemployed, including those who the company had to shut down because of the restrictions of of uh, bars and restaurants and stores, and they cut back on the staff. So we have to stand up. We, we first of all we got to put more money into getting the vaccines. We have to look at our small businesses. Anything that we can do to keep them afloat, we have to look at our schools, giving them whatever tools they need to prepare their buildings to receive our children, to educate them. And then we have to look at our cities and um, municipalities who, by no fault of their own, have had to expend money way beyond their budget for PPEs, for um, health departments for um, loss of revenue, like Detroit, losing the casino revenue mm-hmm. and all those things. So we have a lot of work to do, but I, I, I am hopeful by June that America will look more like the America that we were accustomed to in 2019. So uh, what do you make of the fact that Republicans just not supporting any of this, not not any part of it. Uh, it, it. It still, for me, is is shocking that you've got an entire party in Congress that doesn't seem to to understand the pain that Americans are are experiencing because of this. I mean, and and maybe that's naivety on my part, but uh, but but there's something about that that just still doesn't click for me. Well, I will tell you this: I have been through shock. Um, unbelievable dismay in the last four years of things that I could not understand that were happening. I appreciate the fact that they are looking at, well, they do need the money, the American people, but maybe we'll limit who gets it by income. However, if I make 50000 a year and I'm a single person, I can make it. 
But if I make 50000 a year and I have four children mm. and I'm a single head of household, I'm, I am in poverty. By the time I feed, clothe, give shelter, and child care, I am not making it right now. And so we have to pay attention to that. And I, I wish I could explain it, but I always say, let's bring the Republicans to the microphone and make them explain why they will not help the American people. I'm talking with Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. She's a Democrat who represents Michigan's 14th district in the U.S. Capitol. We're talking about what's going on in Washington right now, the COVID relief bill that is just on the brink of being passed and signed by President Joe Biden. We're also going to talk about the Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump, the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump that just began yesterday. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What are you hoping for from Congress with this new round of COVID relief? Uh, Do you think Democrats are on the right track with this package compared to relief bills that were passed when Republicans controlled the Senate uh, and the White House? Uh, Also, what do you think of the proposal to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour as part of this package, something that uh, President Joe Biden says he does not think will be part of uh, the final bill. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put your comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Um, uh, Brenda, I want to ask you quickly about this $15 an hour minimum wage issue, which has been around for a while. Uh, it'll, it, it, it looks like it's not going to make it into the final bill. And the reason that it won't is because I think President Joe Biden feels like uh, he's a little hesitant on it. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, I want everyone to know that I'm 100 percent behind raising the minimum wage. And this is this is my logic. I mentioned the single head of household working person who I know for a fact, I know women who are single head of household with children who work two jobs and because of child care, they are living below the poverty level. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have to address child care. In America, you know that you cannot have shelter, food, and any semblance of a quality of life on $7 an hour, on $9 an hour. You know that. Do the math. And then this tip wage uh, concept, and I'm very much in support of one fair wage. And if you look at the history, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but when you look at the history of why tips were started, it's because slaves were required to work and serve, and people would just give them a dollar or two because they mm-hmm. gave the service. So that's how it started. But we, we're beyond that. But the concept of working for tips is still real, and that's a live debate right now. Um we know that there's some disparity when you go to a top class restaurant and the tips are are very very lucrative versus 
one that you're in a corner diner and hoping that you get five cents when someone has a $15 meal. Right. Right. But the reality is is that it will help our economy. It will take people off a of social program. It will allow a mother to feed her family without asking for WIC, without asking for um, food subsidies like we used to call food stamps. So if we can take people off of those subsidies and us spending our federal tax dollars, feeding children at schools because that's the only good meal they get, we will then have more income in our budget, in our tax um, budgets and to take care of our country. And it's a sense of we haven't done that in decades, and it's time. We know the cost of living, and it's time. And I'm going to keep fighting to get that passed. And for those who say you can't flip the switch and do $15 an hour, I would never do that through our business or small business uh, community. It's a phased in. So it's phasing in $9, $10, $11, $12 over a period of, of years. And the length of time is being debated, but it should that's what should be debated, not the fact that we need to raise, raise our minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's hear from Brian in Dearborn. Brian, what's on your mind? Hi, um, Stephen and, mm-hmm. and Congresswoman. Um, my name's Brian, and I um, – so I, I have a job as a, a journalist, but that doesn't as, – as Stephen probably knows, doesn't always pay everything. <laughs> and I, um, I, I work public relations um, in order to pay my bills, and all of that collapsed in March of last year. Oh, I'm sorry. And I've been driving a truck, and I'm not totally proud of it because I feel desperate that I've had to do it. And um, I watched coworkers die, Mm -hmm. delivering to communities in Detroit. And the work that we're doing is really not that important, but we've been called essential workers. And Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I can't just accept a paycheck for whatever reason in my pride. I just have to work. And I've watched as people got paid basically 24 an hour not working. And I'm happy that people were able to pay their bills because of what Congress did. But it was proposed that there would be hazard pay for essential workers. Hmm. People who stood by us this whole time Mm -hmm. at 11, 13, 14, and some now 15 an hour. And 15 an hour doesn't cover them seeing people die. It doesn't cover the months of fear without PPE. It doesn't cover the isolation I've had from my entire family because I can't see them because of what I do. Mm -hmm. And I just really, you know, we've met before, Congresswoman, and I respect you so much. And I just want to say, don't forget about us. Mm. Hazard pay. Mm. It it's about justice. 
it's about saying that what we went through matters to Congress as much as it matters that so many people were made unemployed through no fault of their own. Yeah. And I, I Brian, I want to say, today, and I, I'm sorry for. That's okay. Oh, uh, Brian, I don't apologize. Yeah, don't don't, apologize. And, and and I really appreciate uh, your candor, Brian. I mean, I think this has just been such a hard time for so many people. And unless you hear from those people, you don't really know how hard it's been. And so it's important that you called and, and were as honest as you were. Uh, Congresswoman, uh, go ahead and respond. Yes, Brian, first of all, thank you for having the courage to make this phone call. I agree with you 100%. The people who continue to work, and who knew that a cashier would be elevated to a hero or essential worker? Mm-hmm. Or like you said, the truck driver who ensured that packages and postal workers and that they were putting themselves in harm's way because being around people where the rest of us were able to sit at home and look out the window. I agree with you 100% because the hazard pay. And also, we, just like we do testing, we should provide the um, mental health resources. I feel your pain and your hurting. And and this has had, this pandemic has had a, a, such a hard impact on people like you who just want to do the right thing. I just want to work and be able to take care of myself and, and my family. But yet and still, I'm, I'm seeing those around me dying, and I'm wondering in my neck. I don't want to see my, par- my parents or my loved ones because I don't know if I'm exposing them to anything. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling, and I agree with you 100%, and I will make sure that the issue of hazard pay will not leave the table. Yeah. Okay. Again, Brian, really appreciate the call. And uh, of course, we wish you the best of luck with 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 everything. I mean, they're, they're, unfortunately, I think we are not as close to the end of all of this as, as we might like to be uh, at this point. Okay. Uh, Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, it's, uh, of course, always really great to talk with you about these issues on the program. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stephen, I want to say thank you, and to all the listeners, I still have hope. I lived through um, insurrection. Mm-hmm. I stood on the floor to fight for impeachment, and then I watched the peaceful transfer of power. Every week in January was just a roller coaster <laughs> of emotion. Yes. yes, but I want you to know, I still believe in this country. I still have hope. I am not afraid to, to look you in the eye and have that conversation about what you think is right or wrong with America. Mm. So let's move forward. And please, Stephen, be safe. And thank you for yes. having me on. You too, Congressman. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow for a look at the implications of former President Trump's second Senate impeachment trial. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.